Hello, I'm Charlie. Um, I'm the worship intern here at New Life Manitou. Hello, um, and I was hoping you guys would stand with me to read the scriptures this morning. So this is out of Matthew 21, 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them the right way. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, as this city of Jerusalem, this ancient city is stirred, we pray that Manitou today would be stirred, that our hearts in here would be stirred as we hear the question, as we ask the question ourselves, this ancient question, who is this Jesus? Lord, that you would give us the answer. Lord, that we might have on our lips the answer to who you are, that you are this prophet. You are more than a prophet. You are God. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And we praise your holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God's people shouted, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thanks for coming this morning on this Palm Sunday. This is one of the familiar Sundays that I think many of us know as Christians. We, we know Palm Sunday leading into next week, which will be Easter, Resurrection, and we know Christmas, which happened in the dead of winter. These are the reoccurring familiar uh, times and seasons as we celebrate as a church. And I pray this morning... My, ho- my hope, my prayer this morning is that even though it's familiar, it will not be numb, that this story will be renewed in our hearts, in our minds this morning, and will lead us ultimately to this week, Friday, which we remember the cross, that this sermon will bring us into a true knowledge of what happened on the cross. And the cross is like a light. It is uh, Dan, who's in the back there. He he turned, uh, he took the cross, the wooden one, and and made this one into a cross that is now lit. And it's in my mind, it's it's a perfect time to do this as we this week consider what the cross is. The cross is like a lighthouse in a time of storm. The cross is our salvation. It is Jesus, God Himself, on a cross. And when we find the cross. We know our way truly home. We know our way. We get our direction. There's a preacher story of a kid, a young boy, lost in a city. Imagine a little boy sitting on a sidewalk, crying his eyes out. He has gone and wandered too far from home. He has no idea which way to go to get back home. He's crying, and a cop, a nice, a good cop, comes up to him and says, Son, what's going on? Where, where's your parents? Where, where, why are you here? Why are you crying? What's going on? And he says, I've lost my way. I don't 
know how to go home. Cop says, well, what's your address? Kid says, I have no idea. And the cop says, well, where, where, what part of town do you live in? And the kid says, I have no idea. He's crying. And the cop says, well, you know, what, what other buildings are around your house? And he says, I don't know, houses? And so the cop's like, how? Okay, how are we going to get you home, kid? And the cop has this idea. He says, well, in the center of this town is a, is a big building. It's a church. And on top of this building is a huge cross. Do you live anywhere near that cross? And the boys smile just like, yes, if you can get me to the cross, I can get home from there. Think about that in our lives, this, the cross being like our compass. If we know this week that this week on Friday will end in the cross, if we point our direction to that, that Jesus, God himself, is on the cross dying for us, well, then we truly know who we are as human beings. We can know our creator. We know how he loves us, and he has set us apart. And so this day... Um, we uh, celebrate Palm Sunday, and we'll talk about the events of Palm Sunday. We'll talk about the events of this week leading us to Good Friday. I want, uh, if, in case I forget, I, I have it in my mind to say it now. Uh, this Friday, we're having services at 6 and 8 p.m. at New Life Church, our, uh, the, the New Life North, and you're all invited. And Sunday, Easter Sunday coming up, means so much more when we focus this week on the cross. Christians all over the world are taking this week to remember the events, and we'll go through them in just a minute. They're taking this week to fast something, to fast food, uh, to fast um, uh, social media, whatever it may be. People are giving up things all this week in preparation, saying, as Jesus suffered on the cross, and as I'm hungry this week, as I'm giving up something, I'm remembering the cross, and it's a continual reminder to us of that Jesus died on the cross. So, Let's get to the sermon here. Three points. The first one is the question that is asked of the people. The people see this guy riding in on a donkey. There's crowds. There's palm branches. And people ask the question, who is this? And so that's the first point of this sermon. Who is this? The second, in just a minute, we'll, we'll talk about the answer to that question. And then third, and finally, we will lead us to the cross where Jesus is going. He is going willingly on this day, Palm Sunday, to Jerusalem. He knows. He's God. He knows everything. He knows what's going to happen. And on this Sunday, he is being led in. Uh, there's a crowd in front of him, a crowd behind him. People are screaming. People are shouting. They're shouting the word Hosanna, which I'll remind you what that means in just a second. And they're asking the question. The city of Jerusalem is asking the question, who is this? And so that's point number one this morning. Who is this? Well, let's talk about who this is. Let's back it up one day. Um, Jesus, the day before this triumphal entry, uh, John, the, the Gospel of John, tells us where Jesus is. And, and to, to kind of remind us, the Gospel of John, if anyone ever asks me, hey, uh, I've never read much of the Bible, could you just tell me where to start? I usually say, start with John. It's a great book. It's, it's, it's written pretty simply, 21 chapters, and about in the middle of it. I, I, I realize it's not quite exactly the middle, but chapter 12 is where John takes us on this journey from the triumphal entry to his death and resurrection. So think about this. The whole gospel of John, all 21 chapters, about half of it, a little less, but about half of it are about this final week of Jesus, a very important week, which we are going to talk about just now. But this question is being asked, who is this? 
Who is this guy coming in? John takes it back one day and presents to us the story of him being in the house with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're all brothers and sisters. And it says that they invite him over for dinner and they remind him, uh, they remind the reader, John reminds the reader that this is Lazarus, the one whom Jesus rose from the dead. I heard a pastor say, it was customary back then that if someone rose you from the dead, you were to buy them dinner. I think probably the same thing applies today. If you're dead, someone prays for you, you're risen from the dead, you at least owe them dinner. So Jesus goes over to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house. He is given some dinner, and then something happens here. And John presents this story of what seemingly is a crazy woman. Mary, the sister, takes a bottle of perfume, and we find out that the value of this little vial of perfume is a year's wage. Imagine what you make in a year. Imagine the average wage. This is a lot of money in one little vial of perfume. And Mary takes it, and she dumps it out on Jesus' feet, and the whole house fills with this beautiful smell. And then we, we find out that instead of using paper towels, she, for some reason, some crazy re- imagine this scene. It would be a wild scene to watch. She takes her very hair and uses her hair to wash clean Jesus's feet with this perfume. It's a, I mean, imagine just taking a step. Some of us are familiar with this story. It's like, oh yeah, that we know that story. We're familiar with it. Don't be numb to it. This would be a wild scene if you're at a dinner party and everyone's like, oh, so I'll have some uh, blah, blah, blah. And some woman is down on the ground wiping another person's feet with their hair and there's a beautiful smell in the air. Is this not crazy? This would be crazy. I think people sometimes come in here and, and see us, uh, the, the songs and people, uh, Brett was kneeling in the aisle, people are raising their hands, people are clapping, people are closing their eyes and praise. People come in and say, these people are crazy. And I think some of us would say, respectfully, I don't care. I'm worshiping the Lord, and the Lord is central in my life, and he has saved me. And I could kind of picture Mary doing this crazy thing in worship of Jesus, who she knows to be God and is is hoping for her salvation, her creator. She is doing this wonderful, beautiful scene with her own hair and this perfume. And people are like, doesn't she realize she looks crazy? I think her response would be respectfully, I don't care. I am worshiping the Lord how I want to and how I see fit in the most, uh, in the way that I see that, that is just so respectful of who this creator is. So this is the scene uh, that, that predates, it's one day before Palm Sunday. This would be in our calendar last night. This dinner happens and Judas is there. And, and some of us know the story. Judas is upset. He says, why this perfume? This is a year's wage. Imagine a year's wage. This is a lot of money. This money could have been used for so many different things. And he, we kind of realize in this story, John says, the reason why he was so concerned about this was because he was actually a thief. He was in charge of the money bags and he would take from it and do what he wanted to do with the money. So that's really what he was concerned about. But he makes this see. He says, why wasn't this money used for something else instead of like the feet and Jesus? And Jesus says a very... Uh, once again, a very interesting thing. He says, this is for the time of my burial. That's a very interesting response, isn't it? Imagine if you see a friend of yours who you know to be a little sick, but they're eating like this really fancy chocolate, like really expensive, fancy foreign, and, and they're eating this chocolate. And it's like, whoa, wow, you got that? Or this, this food, oh, cool, that's, a, that's really expensive. And they say, yeah, I'm saving it for my last week. And you're like, I'm sorry, What? 
I'm saving it, you know, I, I, I only have seven days to live. I'm sorry, wait, what? Like, why? Slow down. We don't have the conversation here. It's not recorded in John about what takes place after this. But Jesus just said something really profound. He knows that he is being prepared for burial, and he kind of just says it. And, and I don't really know. We don't know in John what's recorded. It's, nothing's recorded as far as what that conversation took place. But it had to have given everyone there, like, whoa. Does he know? Did he just say what we think he did, that he is going to die? And sure enough, we know that he is. I wonder if the, the disciples there weren't really sure, but we are sure because we see back, we see hindsight 2020 that Jesus, this is Jesus' last week on earth. And this, the next couple events, he will go to the temple. He will cause a ruckus saying that there's a bunch of uh, thieves and robbers here. There's money changers. It's Passover. People would bring money and get animals and, and there's just robbery. There's highway robbery. People are uh, buying and selling. And this is not a place of prayer as it should be. Jesus cleanses the temple uh, later that week. This week that we'll celebrate, uh, Jesus will have a meal with his disciples. He uh, will say things that are like, this is my body and blood shed for you. And, and we will celebrate that at the table here in just a few moments after this sermon. We will partake in the mystery of communion. That happens this week. Jesus uh, takes a meal with his disciple, this last meal, goes out, as we know this familiar story, has uh, a time in the garden, then he's arrested. The next day goes before Pilate. Pilate... Um, he uh, con condemns him to death because of the people. That's what they want. On Friday, he will die. And we will remember that at our Good Friday service. And so the point of this sermon is to lead us to the cross, to remember this day, Palm Sunday, but ultimately know that Jesus is willingly going to his death. Jesus is willingly going into Jerusalem. He is willingly taking a donkey, this um, animal that is a fulfillment of a prophecy. So here's the scene. Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. It says there's a crowd in front of him, a crowd behind him. They're shouting, Hosanna, which I'll remind to you what that means in just a few moments. But they're shouting something that, that's, that's going to be in total fulfillment on Friday on the cross where Jesus will die. And he's riding a donkey, a very interesting choice for an animal. It's not a war horse, like a king's war horse. And yet Jesus is the great king. Jesus is God himself. He is the Lord of all, the king of all. And here he is riding humbly on a donkey. And we see the reason why he chose to take a donkey. It's this thread in between the Old Testament and a new Testament, a thread of prophecy being sown throughout the whole gospel. I heard a quote this week that says, uh, to be a whole Christian, you need the whole Bible. Have you heard that before? And I think that's true today. We see this thread being woven through the Old Testament. We find, I think in social media, we could talk about a social media thread where we follow it back to the original point of contact or something that was said. And here we find this, this thread woven back through to this prophet, Zechariah, who lived in about 500 BC, 500 years or something before Jesus. He says this, he, said, he talks about a donkey and a king coming into Jerusalem. He says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. This is Zechariah. This is Old Testament. Zechariah 9, 9. Shout aloud, daughter of Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant, victorious is he. Humble, riding on a donkey, on a colt, on a foal of the donkey. So here's the scene. 
Jesus is riding a donkey to fulfill this Old Testament prophecy that a king will come to Jerusalem. The ultimate king will come humbly riding on a donkey. There's people shouting, Hosanna. And there's, I can't imagine this scene. I, I was trying to think of something uh, of our modern day like equivalent. What would this look like? And I thought about um, a very uh, sad and a humble scene of a couple years ago, three years ago, uh, one of the officers of Colorado Springs, police officer was killed, Garrett uh, Swayze was killed uh, in the Planned Parenthood shooting. And then I thought of Micah Flick, who just uh, about a year and a few months ago died in the line of service. He was an officer. Um, both of their funerals were at New Life North. And then was a procession where their bodies were in a car and police officer after police officer, cars lined the streets, went down, uh, found their way to the, the, the funeral uh, and the gravesite. And people lined I-25, people lined the bridges, people lined the roads where they knew this caravan, this, this um, procession was going to take place. And some people stood there respectfully saluting as the cars went by. Some people stood there with their hand over their heart. Some people had American flags. Some people had the blue flags giving uh, just honor to these cops, these officers who had given their lives to serve and to protect. And I thought that's maybe somewhat of the modern day scene. People just out respectfully um, giving, you know, saying this is the one. Hosanna means, Sarah said it, what does it mean? Save us. And I think in this scene, these people are shouting to this king who is riding on a donkey, save us. And that is exactly what is going to happen on the cross. So this whole point, point one, was who is this? Well, the answer is stated in the text. The city, imagine asking the question, you're seeing the scene, some guy riding on a donkey, humbly, and people just shouting. People running around, cutting down palm branches and putting them on the road so that this, this donkey doesn't even have to touch the ground. People not with palm branches, people take their cloaks and their clothes and lay them down, respectfully honoring this person. The scene is crazy, and people ask, who is this? And then they say, they say, the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And that's a good answer. So point number two is this. The answer is, Jesus is more than a prophet. He is God. To say he's a prophet is not a wrong answer, but there is much, 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 much more to it. He is God himself. A prophet by dictionary definition. This person regarded uh, as an inspired teacher, a proclaimer of truth, and a proclaimer of the will of God. This is just a simple definition of what a prophet is, and certainly Jesus did this. But the message he gave, have you ever heard of uh, something called the, the, the argument of liar, lunatic lord? Have you heard this argument? I've, I think I've shared it a, a couple times. It's a brilliant argument by C.S. Lewis. And to hold on just a minute, I often love this kind of stuff. Like I love getting nerdy. Do you know this about me? Uh, and I will often, if you've been around New Life Manitou, I will say, uh, I'll kind of give you a warning that this is going to get nerdy. I will say nerd alert. And then your response when I say it is to make a siren noise just to wake us up that this is going to get nerdy. It's going to get, your eyes will glaze over and then you're like, this is too nerdy. I didn't come to, to, to school. I came to church. But it's, it's a part of the gospel. It's a part of this argument. So, nerd alert. <laughs> okay, okay. So, C.S. Lewis, known for um, 
the Chronicles of Narnia, writer of the children, you know him from that. He's also a magnificent uh, Christian and uh, a Christian writer and apologist. He says there's this argument, and it really goes to, to, to say that uh, what a lot of people say is that Jesus was just a nice guy. Jesus was a good guy. Jesus was a prophet. He taught on love and morality. What a good guy. I think I uh, have, have a responsibility and uh, a very easy way of talking to people about who Jesus is because uh, in our society, conversations and she's like, go like this. Hi, my name is Joe. Hi, my name is so-and-so. What do you do? What do you do? And I get to say, uh, the great honor is I'm a pastor of New Life Manitou. And then they'll either get real quiet and just run. Um, <laughs> or, or it's like, oh, well, what kind of church is that? T- tell, me, tell me more. And I'll say, well, I, I, I tell them about you guys. I tell them about the church. I talk to about Jesus. And 99 times out of 100, maybe more than that, uh, they will be honorable when it comes to, well, I liked Jesus. Jesus seems like a good guy. Jesus teaching, you know, I liked his teaching on love and I I liked his morality teaching and the golden rule. That's a good one. I like Jesus. He seems like a good guy. Sometimes people will add, uh, you know, the statement, oh, I like Jesus. I just don't like his followers. And I'm like, ooh, that's me. I'm sorry. I, I... I realize that I'm, you know, I sin, I, I, I mess up, and I'm not, you know, the best example of Jesus as I should be, but, but Jesus, everyone, I think 99 out of 100 people that I talk to are just kind of nice, respectful, well, Jesus was, seems like a good guy. But C.S. Lewis, in this argument, the, the reason why I gave the nerd alert is because C.S. Lewis says you can't just say he was a nice guy, you can't just say, oh, he was a good teacher, because what he taught was that he was God himself, And if he wasn't, if he was just a nice guy teaching that he was God, well, that would either make him a liar if he wasn't, or it would make him a lunatic. He thought he was, but he wasn't. The only other possible explanation is that he was who he said he was, which is liar, lunatic, or Lord, that he was who he said he was. Here's the next argument uh, for a continuation. Nerd alert part two. That's horrible. Oh, geez. Um, Nerd alert part two is this. That We'll kind of follow this argument. This is a little more nerdy, so please bear with me. But it is a wonderful argument about why we are so sure that Jesus is God. And it goes something like this. We as Christians here living uh, today would say, we're sure Jesus is God. Why? Well, because throughout church history, that's what people have said. Like we have, our our grandparents, our great-grandparents, we all as Christians, like we look in the books and we say, Jesus has been God. Uh, we're sure that he is God. Well, why is that? Well, we look back to a defining moment in our church history. We'd say, oh, the Nicene Creed. This is one of the moments Christianity was legalized. People got together and they didn't just say, well, let's, let's make up what we believe. They said, here's what we always have been believing for hundreds of years now. We have said the, the first sentence, second line is that we believe uh, Jesus is God. Let me see. I want to quote the, the line for you exactly. Um, It says, we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. It will go on to say, one in being with the Father, light of light, true God of true God. We believe Jesus is fully God. Well, why were they so sure of that 
at 325 when the Nicene Creed was compiled and this little creed was written about what we believe? Well, because the church fathers clearly, surely believe that. Here's three names for you. Uh, Origen lived in the 200, says Jesus Christ, incarnate God. Irenaeus, born 130 AD, said Jesus, he himself is God and Lord and eternal king. Polycarp, a disciple of John himself, uh, John, the, the writer of the Gospel of John, said Jesus Lord and God, Jesus Christ. Well, why would these church fathers so be so sure that Jesus is God? Well, they knew the eyewitnesses. And the eyewitnesses, like Paul, an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus, said this in Colossians. He said, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. Peter, who was right there throughout Jesus' ministry, says this in one of his letters, 2 Peter 1.1, talks about Jesus, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. One more, John the writer of the gospel we've been mentioning, says he starts off his whole story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it it goes on to say, Jesus is this Word. Come to us as one of us, a human, fully God, fully one of us. Like John knew it, the eyewitnesses all knew Jesus was God and were sure of it. Why? Well, because Jesus himself said, he is God. I had a, a, a friend, uh, I used to live in Utah, a, a Mormon friend of mine, and Mormons, I, I, just, I just say it's a different religion than, than the religion that we uh, hold to, because at the very core of our religion is Jesus is God, and respectfully, I, I just respect Mormons, I, I have a lot of Mormon friends still, and uh, in all respect, I would just say it's a different religion. I had a Mormon friend uh, that was, was saying Jesus never claimed to be God, and I said, well, what about John 10, where Jesus says, I and the Father am one. And he said, well, that could have meant um, that they were just on the same page. They were in agreement. They were one in what they were doing. And I said, well, well, respectfully, look at the context. It says this in John 10, 31. You could look at it later. The, the Jewish opponents picked up stones to kill him, to kill Jesus for saying, I and the Father am one. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. Of which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. This, uh, so you can't get around this. Jesus clearly claimed to be God. Jesus says in John 14, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus says in John 8, before Abraham was I am. This very interesting sentence where he's calling upon the name of God, Yahweh, saying, before even Abraham, like our ancient ancestors, Abraham, the most respected, before he was, Jesus calls on the name of God saying, I am. He says the word, the holy word, Yahweh. I I wrote it down like this, um, uh, God who was not able to die because he is immortal, took a body able to die. This refers to Jesus being fully God and yet at the same time fully man. Think about the scene that's going on. Think about um, what's going on here. Palm Sunday, Jesus willingly going into Jerusalem, knowing he is going to die. And this will be a, uh, a timeline to the cross, the events that will happen that will lead Jesus to the cross. This third and final point, point this morning is this. The cross shows us what the true God looks like. Whatever your ideas of God, if, if you're new to church, if you're old to church, whatever ideas you have about God, who God is, what God is, uh, 
look at the cross. Consider that our God, Jesus, died on the cross and then get the right idea of who God is. May the cross inform you of who Jesus really is of who God really is, Jesus on the cross, our, our God, fully God, fully human, dying on the cross. So here we are this Sunday, palm branches being waved, Jesus riding a donkey, knowing he is going into his death, knowing that the death that he is going to die is for us. And they're screaming, they're saying, the crowds are shouting, Hosanna, which means save us. Imagine a parade going through town and, and the leader of this parade is, is on a donkey. That's unusual, very humble. Um, the center of a parade should probably be on a war horse or, or something huge. Or, and yet here he is humbly on a donkey. And people are shouting, save us, Hosanna. Save us, son of David. Hosanna, son of David. What a beautiful scene that these people get to see on this Palm Sunday. And here we are remembering it and celebrating it, saying, save us, help us, deliver us, Jesus. This is what this week is all about. This is what this week is, is going towards as we think about the cross. Think about Jesus, God himself dying for our sins. He was God. He was perfect. He did not have to die, but he chose to die. He went willingly to the cross for our own sins. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray, consider these words. Let me just read, knowing that Hosanna means save us. I'll reread this passage. It says, save us, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us in the highest heavens. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and they asked, who is this? So Lord, as we pray to you now, as our hearts are stirred, Lord, as some of us in this room are asking, Lord, who, who are you? Who are you, Lord? It's a question the creation asks of its creator. Who are you, God? May we know and may our thoughts of you be informed of your death on the cross. May our thoughts of you be reminded and like a compass showing us which way is correct and which way to go as we are lost. Sometimes we don't even know that we're lost and we're lost trying to find true home and true creator. Lord, may we look to you as our hearts are stirred asking who you are. Lord, fill us with the knowledge of your son, Jesus. Fill us with the knowledge that his death on the cross takes away our sin and we can find true home.